please turn with me to 3 John. As we do pray that God would be very gracious to us as we consider uh, the teachings of his word last week. We began looking at this, this passage and we talked about it specifically in context with uh, showing hospitality to those who are engaged in gospel ministry. We're going to continue looking at this passage and think through some applications for us as a church this morning. 3 John, if you're looking for it there, it's kind of as you get to the end of your Bible, right before Jude and Revelation. 3 John, we're looking at verses 5 through 8. And if you're able to, if you would stand with me this morning as we read God's Word. 3 John, beginning here in verse 5, as John writes to Gaius, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. You may be seated. May God encourage us through his word this morning. Uh, Let me pray for us as we continue our our time of, of worship this morning. Father, thank you for these words. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that we have the ability to worship you. Uh, thank you for the family of, of God that is represented here this morning. We thank you for those who were obedient to you in baptism. Thank you for those who have placed their faith in your son Jesus. And even as we've sung and thought about today, thank you for the ways in which you've made those of us from uh, different backgrounds and families and places and locations one in your son Jesus. And we pray that we would exhibit that unity by your grace in our lives. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been looking at 3 John, we've been talking about hospitality, and we've defined hospitality as, as something when I, a biblical hospitality, is when I demonstrate, when I demonstrate my love for others by joyfully using my home and other resources to meet their physical needs. So biblical hospitality is when I demonstrate my love for others by joyfully using my home and other physical resources to meet their needs. That's biblical hospitality. And uh, last week, we looked at verses 5 through 8. As we looked at hospitality in verses 5 through 8, we kind of started with this idea of of looking at uh, hospitality to a specific group of people, kind of a narrow focus. And the thing we looked at first as we looked at verses 5 through 8 was hospitality to gospel workers, to those who are engaged in the ministry of gospel proclamation. And it's been said by preachers before, maybe you've heard this expression, uh, when there's a, a fog in the pulpit, there's a, a cloud in the pew. Okay? And, and last week, there was a fog in the pulpit a little bit. I think I struggled to kind of effectively communicate how to apply this uh, passage, and there were quite a few cloudy responses I got uh, this last week through emails and conversations like, okay, Daniel, oh, now, what do I do with this, and, and what about this situation? And so I think your confusion maybe, maybe reflected a little bit of my confusion in, in terms of how to actually apply this in our current culture. But what I, I hope that you got out of our time last week as you looked at verses 5 through 8 with me is a sense that you and I have a divine obligation, a special obligation, to meet the physical needs of those who are engaged in, in gospel work. That's the bottom line. So whether it be missionaries who are in a, a different culture or missionaries who are in a local culture or uh, 
pastors who are traveling or lay people who are engaged in gospel ministry and have some physical needs, no matter what the context is, and I hope that God can help us uh, use our, our abilities to, to think of all the different applications, no matter what the context is, I, I hope what you walked away with last week as we looked at the specific application of verses 5 through 8 is a sense that I have a divine obligation to care for the physical needs of gospel workers, those who are engaged in proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. I have an obligation to, to show hospitality to them, to use my physical resources to meet their physical needs. That was, that was last week. We walked through verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. Uh, this week we're going to expand our, our focus we're going to talk about hospitality in a much uh, wider context. And so uh, hospitality we're looking at this morning is not just hospitality to one group, but hospitality to a, a larger body and, and how we are to exercise hospitality to, to others and others in a very broad sense there. And so there's a lot that I want to accomplish. And, and really what I hope happens is this. I, I hope, I know I'm not going to be able to get through everything. I've got like nine points, okay? And normally I have three or four, and that's kind of stretching it. So, although I, I didn't do first service, so I kind of feel like I'm owed a little bit more. But um, see some disagreement? That's fine. What I want to do is this, and, and I don't know how, mu- how much we're going to get through, and I'll probably go really quickly over some points. What, what I hope happens is this. I, I hope that we kind of use Scripture and we just, just paint a picture up here. Just paint a picture of what biblical hospitality looks like in a very broad sense. This is what biblical hospitality looks like. This is what it looks like when I demonstrate my love for others by joyfully using my home and other resources to meet their physical needs. That happens, I hope. Paint this picture, and we all look at this picture and say, uh, my, what a lovely picture, and we say we want to reproduce this, this biblical picture of hospitality in this church and in our individual lives. That's what I hope happens this morning. You see this biblical picture of what hospitality is supposed to look like, and you say, that's beautiful. That's lovely. That's what I want my home, my church to look like for God's glory. That's, that's our goal. Now, we're going to accomplish, accomplish that goal, Lord willing, by looking at about nine characteristics of, of biblical hospitality, kind of flushing out that definition that we've looked at already, and we're going to talk about these nine characteristics, and as we talk about these nine characteristics, hopefully we'll see that picture, say, yes, that's a beautiful picture, and then we'll say, here's some practical suggestions for how we can implement that. Does that sound pretty ambitious? Yes, it does, but we'll see how, we, see how it goes. Here's the, so we're fleshing out, we looked at verses five through eight last week, and we said, okay, here's a specific application of hospitality to gospel workers. Now we're saying, uh, and I think that's one thing John wants us to grasp, but the other thing that we need to grasp as we look at verses five through eight is that biblical hospitality is something that all believers should be engaged in for the glory of God, not just to gospel workers, but, but in a very broad sense. So let's, let's jump in here. We'll be skipping around some different scriptures here. But number one, here's the first characteristic of biblical hospitality that I want us to look, like, look at. And number one is this. A biblical hospitality is the command given to all believers. Biblical hospitality is a command that's given to all believers. There's several different words that are used for hospitality in the New Testament, and, and many of them 
kind of convey the idea of a stranger. One of the words that's often translated hospitality is a word that literally means love of strangers. And originally, perhaps, this idea meant that a person was showing kindness and care and concern for someone from a different community who they had no idea who they were. But as the New Testament writers use this word, it it has a a broader definition. We don't just show kindness and love to people we don't know. We show kindness and love to all. And there's a special obligation among believers especially to show hospitality to others. And so we encounter instructions with very wide-reaching application. For example, Romans 12, 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That's Romans 12, 13. Hebrews 13, 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And so as you go through Scripture, you see these commands given to show hospitality, to, to use your physical resources as an expression of love for others to meet their physical needs. There's no one in this room who would claim to be a believer in Christ to whom this instruction doesn't apply. You can't say, well, I think I'm excluded from the hospitality command. Uh, I'm more of a person who receives hospitality. I'm kind of a hospitality receiver. No, the instruction is to all of us. All of us are to be exercising this, this, uh, this care for others. All of us are to be hospitable. Uh, second thing that I want us to see here about biblical hospitality, number two, uh, biblical hospitality is an expression of love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, we're going to spend a few minutes here, a little bit longer, on, on this characteristic of biblical hospitality. Let me kind of walk through the, the thought process here. Love, biblical hospitality is an expression of love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. As we've been going through First and Second John, I, I hope we've all become convinced of our need to demonstrate love for others, right? Remember in First John we had that, those, those three tests of love? There's or the three tests of fellowship. There's the, the truth test. All of us are to have certain things that we affirm about who Jesus Christ is, and that allows us to pass the truth test. There's the obedience test. If we're truly in relationship with God and other believers, we're going to, to walk in obedience. I think Sam did a great job in his baptismal testimony of focusing on that aspect in his life, this idea of, of obedience. And so a true believer is going to grow and desire to be obedient to God. And then the third characteristic of a true believer was what? Love. All believers, those who are truly in relationship with God, are going to be in relationship with one another, and they're going to have this desire to love each other, to practice sacrificial love. That's true for all believers. Tertullian was an early church writer, an apologist, defending Christians, and he was writing about critics of the Christian faith. And listen to what he said about those who were outside the church looking in. He said that those who were outside the church, even those who were critics of the church, would say this, see how they, what? See how they love one another. And, and listen to what he, what he believed the critics saw as, he def- as they described the love. They didn't say, see how they love one another and say nice things about each other, or see how they love each other and occasionally write kind little notes to each other. It says, he said they would critics outside the church would look inside the church and say, see how they love one another and how ready they are to die for each other. The early church manifested this love that believers are to have one another for one another by being willing to lay down their very life for each other. 
So biblical hospitality is an expression of love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're called to love one another. And as we think about this idea of, of love, we see in Scripture, as we talk about hospitality, the New Testament writers draw an explicit connection between the love that we're to have for one another and hospitality. L- listen to this. I mentioned Hebrews 13.1 earlier, and, and listen to what happens in Hebrews 13, verses 1 and 2. He says in verse 1, the writer of Hebrews, let brotherly love continue. And then in verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So what happens there, he gives this instruction to love, and then he immediately follows it up with an expression of love, hospitality. Same thing happens in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 Uh, Peter would say, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And then verse 9, show hospitality to each other without grumbling. Here in in 3 John, as as John is talking to Gaius, he says, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers. And then verse verse 6, who testified to your love before the church, you do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. He's commending his love and the expression of, of his love is hospitality. We see that connection throughout Scripture. Hospitality, using my physical resources to help meet your needs, is an expression of love. And what we also see in Scripture is that what should be true of our relationships is that those relationships should be characterized, and this is why hospitality is so crucial in the church, the relationships that we have with one another should be the types of relationships that exist within a family. We have to comprehend this truth. Your relationships with the people in this room, with the people who are part of of Bethany Community Church, if you're part of Bethany Community Church, whatever local church you're part of, your relationships with one another must be profoundly different than relationships you have with people in any other type of social group. This isn't like the country club where you buy in membership and have relationship as, as you find appropriate. It's not like scouts. It's not like the soccer team. It's not like the swimming team. The type of relationships, it's the social relationships that exist between the people who are part of, of your church are supposed to be characterized like the relationships of those who are within a family. That's a profound truth that I think we have a hard time really grasping and, and wrapping our minds around. What it means is that I, I have familial obligations to you um, so, for example, if something happens to me, if I die, you, who are part of Bethany Community Church, have a, a divine obligation to care for Whitney and my children. It's not like I'm just some friend, you know, and you feel kind of bad. You have a, a divine obligation to treat my wife like a member of your own family and care for her if something were to happen to me. It's a profound obligation. Ephesians 2.19, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints. You're members of the household of God. There's, a, there's supposed to be a family warmth in our relationships. You, you know, there are instructions in Scripture that, that give you a, an explicit command to show warmth in your relationship to one another. I think uh, over and over again, there's this command to, to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, we definitely need to culturally apply that. But, you know, a little bit of an aside here. Um, you know, there were many of you, and I don't remember who all has told me this, but several of you, and, I, and just as I tell you this, I'm on your side, okay? I'm on your I agree with you. Many of you have come to me, especially during the winter months, and you've said, uh, Daniel, or you've sent other people, Daniel or whoever, um, let's do away with the handshaking. And I get it. 
all right? There is not a person in this room who perhaps has more of an issue with germs than the person who's talking right now, okay? <laughs> I've got issues. But at the same time, I'm a little hesitant to do that <laughs> because of the explicit instructions in Scripture about showing familiar warmth to, to one another. There's, you know, there's instruction over and over again. Romans 16, 16, 1 Corinthians 16, 20, 2 Corinthians 13, 12, 1 Thessalonians 5, 26, 1 Peter 5, 14, to, to, to show warmth by, by greeting one another in a, in a physical way, like a family member. We're a family, and God has called us to exercise that through, through showing warmth to one another. But please, wash your hands, Seriously. But there's a warmth, there's supposed to be a warmth to our relationship. This isn't some sort of social club that we, we just kind of say, hey, how you doing? There's a, there's a family, as we walk through the door and we become a part of each other's lives on Sunday morning and throughout the week, there's, there's, there's family that exists within the walls of this, these relationships. And hospitality, caring for one another, is, is an expression of this reality that we are a family. We have a family obligation to, to share our things and to make each other feel welcome in the body Acts chapter 2, 44 says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. What sort of mentality is that? That's the mentality that says, I have a family obligation to care for you, to show hospitality to you. James 2, 15, James writes, If a brother or sister, in other words, a person who's, who's a, who is related to you spiritually is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace be warmed and filled without giving them things needed for the body. What good is that? James is saying, look, if you just simply see a brother or sister, and I love that language there, right, in need, and you don't provide for that need, you are morally culpable for what you failed to do. Why is that? How in the world can I be responsible for your lack of material possessions? Because you're my brother, because you're my sister. So what does that have to do? If it's true, that biblical hospitality is an expression of love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, what, what does that mean? That means, we're going to talk more about this in a, in a little bit, but what that means is that those same rules governing what love looks like also apply to hospitality. Do you remember whenever we described love as we went through 1 John? We talked about the sacrificial nature of it. Love is me laying down my life for your eternal benefit. Those same rules that govern how we exist in loving relationships with one another apply to how we practice hospitality. As I see you in need, and as I see your emotional, physical, spiritual needs, and I have the, the means to provide for those, there, there's, there's sacrificial calls on, on my life to meet those needs. And as you receive hospitality, there's also some demands placed upon you as you sacrificially Receive the love that others offer. Number three, a third biblical characteristic of hospitality. Biblical hospitality is a component of compassion. Biblical hospitality is a component of compassion. It's okay to spend time with, with people you like, people you enjoy spending time with. and You have friends, and maybe there's, there's two or three people you just really enjoy spending time with, and that's kind of where most of your social time is spent. And and there's nothing wrong with enjoying hanging out with, with certain people, but if we believe that if I invite my friends over to my house, have a meal with my friends, I've fulfilled the full realm of expectations that God has on me for showing hospitality, I, I've really deceived myself, haven't I? Psalm 146.9, 
It says, the Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. And God has a special eye for those who are outsiders. Followers are to have that as well. Leviticus 19, verse 33, when a stranger sojourns with you in the land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt, I and the Lord your God. Leviticus 25, 35, if your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. And in other words, as the believer, as the person who's who has had their heart transformed by the gospel. Remember what we saw in 1 John, the person whose life has been transformed by believing the truth about who God is. As that person sees those who are in need, the person who is a believer is going to have the heart of God in those situations and is going to be compelled by compassion to meet the needs of others. Hospitality is an expression of compassion. It's a component of compassion. Thinking of, of this, there was a book that was very influential this, this last week or so, last couple weeks, as I've been thinking about hospitality. It's by Alexander Strzok. Alexander Strzok wrote the book on biblical eldership that many of you are familiar with. And this, this book that he wrote on hospitality is called The Hospitality Commands. And just a great little uh, booklet on, on hospitality. But he mentions in that book an illustration of, of hospitality. He talks about a reporter in California who was trying to find out how hospitable different Christian churches were and how friendly they were and how loving they were. And he rated his visitation experiences according to a point system. And this was his point system. Just think about how well would, would you do if someone was going to grade your hospitality on this point system. If the church had greeters at the door, they got two points. So we're, we got two points at least, right? Uh, the prepackaged form letter from the letter got uh, three points. I don't know if an email counts or not, but three points there. If there was coffee hour, you got about five points. A personal invitation, or see, uh, introducing yourself in a cordial, non-threatening way, non-threatening way, was worth ten points. I, I, I've been guilty of the threatening way, a little overbearing sometimes. But then the personal invitation to dinner after church was worth sixty points. Sixty points. Now. Uh, maybe if, if you're new to the, the church and someone were to invite you out to dinner and, uh, hi, my name is Daniel, will you go out to dinner with me? That might freak you out a little bit. But the, the, I, hope, I hope you understand the point there. How would we rate if we were being graded on how hospitable we are as a church? Biblical hospitality is a component of compassion. And the person who has a heart of compassion looks at those around them and is, is mindful of the outsider, Maybe there's someone who's moved into your neighborhood. You're, you're aware of that. You're mindful of the outsider. And the believer should be the first person welcoming the outsider to the neighborhood. Whenever a person comes into our church and kind of stands at the outside of things or doesn't seem to have people around them talking to them, the, the believer's supposed to be aware of that, mindful of that, observant of that, and welcoming. Number four, fourth characteristic here of biblical hospitality Biblical hospitality is one of the most crucial ways to, to deepen relationships. I would argue that apart from practicing hospitality, we don't have the opportunity to, to deepen the types of relationships that God has called us to have. If we're to exist as a family, if you and I are to, to be a part of one another's lives, I, I don't know how we do that apart from 
the exercise of hospitality. There's no other way by which we get into one another's lives and by us opening up our homes and spending time together. Biblical hospitality is one of the most crucial ways that God has given us to deepen relationships. And you see this in Jesus' ministry. John chapter 4, verse 40, the, the Samaritans come to Jesus and they ask him to stay with them. And he, he stayed with them uh, two days, uh, talking with them, teaching them. Luke 24, verses 29 and 30, they, the, the disciples on the way to Emmaus see Jesus and they, say, they urge him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening. The day is now far spent, and so he went in to stay with them. He was at the table with them, took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. All throughout Scripture, you see this, this, this process of people engaging in relationship through discipleship. Peter stays at Simon the, the Tanner's house. All Lydia encourages Paul to, to stay with her and her family. Relationships are deepened in the context of hospitality. Bethany Community Church, unless you and I are willing to open our homes to one another and spend time together, unless we're willing to break bread together and and, and eat together and and talk together and do life together, we're not going to grow deeper in relationship. The relationships we have are going to be a far cry from what God has called us to experience together. Fifth characteristic here of biblical hospitality. Biblical hospitality is a sign of spiritual maturity. Now, maybe you wouldn't have necessarily have thought of this, but as we encounter hospitality in Scripture, one of the interesting things is it's often in the context of, of people who are spiritually mature. So, for example, here in 3 John, is, is uh, John compliments Gaius. It's complimenting his hospitality. Another Gaius in Romans 16, Paul commends for his hospitality. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 10, Paul talks about widows who are going to receive, the, the, receive help from the church. He says this, a widow needs to have a reputation for good works. She's brought up children. She's shown hospitality. Okay. And then uh, listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy and what he says in Titus as he talks about spiritual shepherds. He says, 1 Timothy 3, 2, An overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, and then he says, hospitable. And then he says, able to teach. Titus, same thing. He has to be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. If I were to ask you, what are the characteristics of an, of an elder? What does an elder need to be able to do? Or what does a spiritual shepherd need to be able to do? Maybe there's many things you tell me. You need to teach. You need to be a good shepherd. You need to counsel well. But how long would it take you to remember, oh yeah, and, and an elder, a shepherd, needs to be hospitable. A shepherd needs to be one who opens up his home to meet the needs of others in a, in a joyful way. Why is that? I was thinking about that a lot this last week. Why is hospitality such a crucial attribute for a shepherd of of Christ's church? I think there's a lot of reasons. One, it it tells us a a lot about where his hope is, right? 
You know, if, if a shepherd is, is a person who's very selfish and, and doesn't see the needs of others, doesn't have a mind to, and a heart to think about the needs of others, that tells us something very disturbing about his ability to shepherd the flock. If, if he sees his possessions as his and kind of wants to keep things very close to himself, that tells us something about his heart attitude. But, but you know what else is kind of interesting about hospitality? It's hard to fake it when you're a hospitable person. I can fake a lot in a couple hours on a Sunday morning. With enough threats and offers of rewards, I can get my kids to fake it decently for a couple hours. Some of you are thinking, if that's his children faking it, you know what I'm saying though? But if I invite you into my home and and we spend some time together, it's hard to fake it you're going to see how my wife and I respond to each other. You're going to see what my children really think of me and how I really treat them. It's hard to fake it over a sustained period of time, right? Now, I don't think when we go into each other's homes, we should be just sitting around judging each other. I'm going to see how this guy's wife talks. Ooh, that's not good. (laughs) Make a note of that. Honey, did you see that look his wife gave him? That's not what I'm talking about. But, but there have been times whenever a person's, in, in, you know, we've been traveling and we've seen church leaders in different contexts and we've come away and we've said, boy, um, there's, we've stayed at their homes, but there's some real, there's some real concerns there. Or, or conversely, boy, what, a, what an amazing, his, the people in that person's church only see just a fraction of the amazing potential of this leader. And boy, being in his home and seeing the way that he, shepherds his children and loves his wife. Wow. If you want to be spiritually mature, if you want to consider yourself a spiritually mature person, hospitality must be a part of your life. You cannot be said to be spiritually mature and not be a hospitable person. Uh, Number six, number six, biblical hospitality is is done with a, a joyful heart. One time, uh, Whitney and I were getting ready to entertain someone. It, it wasn't you, don't worry. And uh, I think if someone was coming to stay with us, and uh, I, I told, we were kind of getting stuff ready, and, and uh, Whitney very lovingly mentioned to me that something seemed maybe a little amiss with my attitude. I said, well, Whitney, I've got this and this and this to do, and I've got this to do, and now I've got people coming and staying, and I'm going to be hospitable, but I don't have to have a joyful heart in it. I don't, I'm going to, I, it's okay to grumble a little bit as long as I do it, right? And she said, well, uh, Daniel, remember, uh, the Bible says, uh, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And I said, you're making that up, right? <laughs> you just added that without grumbling thing. She goes, no, First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 9, show hospitality with one another to one another without grumbling. I said, show me the translation, you know. But she's exactly right. The scripture is exactly right. In fact, the essence, I think, of, of remember that definition that I gave, joyfully meeting the needs of others. That's, I think that idea of joy is one of the most essential attributes of, of hospitality to grasp if you're going to do it right. You know, last week I talked about extravagant hospitality. A couple of you guys asked, now explain extravagant to me. What does extravagant look like? What if I don't have as, as much as someone else? How do I know when I'm meeting the needs and when I'm just... I think the key to practicing extravagant hospitality is to understand this idea of joy. 
Let's understand this idea of joy. I love what Acts 16 says. This is perhaps one of the best passages to really grasp biblical hospitality in terms of an illustration. Acts 16, verse 14. It says, One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us. She urged, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Then I love what Luke writes next. And she, and she what? And she prevailed upon us. We did her the favor and we went and stayed at her house. You see that picture there? She has this, she has this response to the, the, the truth of the gospel. She places her faith in Christ. She and her, her family are baptized, and she wants to participate in the work of the Lord, the gospel ministry of the Lord. And so she, she wants to practice hospitality. And she says, look, if I'm worthy, if you believe that I've rightly understood the gospel, please give me, she urged, give me the opportunity to, to practice hospitality. And she prevailed upon us. We did her the favor of staying at her house. There's this element of joy in biblical hospitality. A person who's practicing hospitality rightly makes the person who's receiving the hospitality feel like they're doing them a favor as they receive it. You see, the essence of biblical hospitality is not extravagance in the sense of someone with a lot of material possessions lavishing material things upon another person. It's a person who has material possessions, which is all of us, using those material possessions to bless other people. A few, many, many years ago, uh, we, we took a trip to another location, and we stayed with some people in the church, several people from our team stayed from different people's in the church's homes, and uh, Whitney and I were given the, the home of the wealthiest couple in the church, and everyone made sure we knew that we were staying in the home of the wealthiest people in the church, and they were very gracious to us, very nice. And I don't mean this in a mean way, but I don't think that we received the most hospitality. Again, we were treated very graciously, but there was, there was a little bit of a, we felt, we felt very clearly like we were infringing on, on some things that they needed to do, which, which, again, they were very gracious to us. And we are kind of annoying guests. <laughs> but then and, and two other teams came back and said, boy, and they just described this hospitality. And, and see, I think in the church's mind that was putting this up, they thought, well, we'll put, uh, we'll put the pastor up in the, the most lavish home, and therefore he'll experience the most lavish hospitality. And that's, that's not the case, right? Extravagant hospitality, I think the essence of it is joy. A person desires to meet the physical needs of others. The seventh characteristic here, biblical hospitality is a tool for gospel proclamation. We, we've talked about that last week, but understand, as we practice gospel hospitality, it's a tool for gospel proclamation. Paul tells Philemon, prepare a guest room for me. I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Jesus and Zacchaeus get in this, this relationship and Jesus allows Zacchaeus to show hospitality to him, and it's in that context of, of, of home and sharing food that Zacchaeus is, is shown by Jesus that he deems him worthy and, and, and loves him and, and cares for him. 
throughout Scripture, we see hospitality as a key component of believers witnessing to unbelievers. In fact, when you wonder sometimes why do people who aren't believers think that we don't love them, let me just offer this suggestion. Perhaps they think that because we haven't exercised the hospitality that God has called us to show toward unbelievers. Hospitality is a crucial way by which we show unbelievers we love you and the gospel is a message of life transformation for you. Number eight, uh, biblical hospitality is a tool for discipleship, and we've talked about this in weeks past as well, but Acts 5.42, every day in temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ, and so the house becomes this, this tool for discipleship. You bring people in your home, and, and the Word of God is taught. Acts 20.20, 20, Paul tells the Ephesus, uh, Ephesian elders, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house. Acts 28.23 talks about people coming to Paul's lodging. From morning till evening, he expounded them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Biblical hospitality is a tool that God has given us to use for discipleship. Number nine, last characteristic here, biblical hospitality is a practice that yields rewards and blessings. We talked about this last week, but as we practice hospitality, God rewards us. There's eternal blessing for practicing hospitality. Okay, let me just talk through a little bit about some practical suggestions for how we as a church can practice hospitality. Hopefully you see that definition of hospitality kind of painted there, kind of expounded upon. It's okay, that's a beautiful picture. Now, now how do we begin as individuals and as a church how do we begin to practice hospitality? Here's a couple suggestions for you. Number one, drop dead. Oh, I'm sorry, die to self. Die to self. I went off script there. Number one, seriously, die to self. In, in non-theological terms, a lot of us need to get over ourselves, right? In theological terms, we need to drop dead. We need to die to self. We need to die to ourselves in terms of being too shy I'm too shy to talk to people. Hey, you need to die to yourself. Well, my house, I don't know if it looks nice enough. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough time. There's a million sad excuses you and I have for not practicing hospitality. You need to die. You need to die to yourself to practice good hospitality. Uh, number two, uh, number two, you need to plan ahead for hospitality. If you think about practical suggestions for hospitality, you've you got to plan ahead. It's not enough to every week say, boy, I'd love to have someone over, or boy, I'd really like to get to know someone. You, you need to plan ahead. You know what you need? You need a list, first of all, of believers, uh, people in the church. You need a list of people, maybe five families or five individuals. Say, you know, these are five people that in the next uh, few months I'm going to have over to my house or somehow do something hospitable together. Or uh, So that's, that's one list. You also need a list of, of people in your neighborhood or people who are around you who aren't believers. You say, you know what, I, I'm going to somehow begin a relationship with them by, by using my, my physical resources, whether it's my home or, or taking them out to coffee or, or somehow we're going to, to do life together as I use my physical resource to, to meet their, their physical needs, meal or something. Also, as you think about planning ahead uh, for, for hospitality, uh, think through uh, practices that, that other people have engaged in that you found very helpful. Whenever Whitney and I travel and we, we are 
we're very often the recipients of, of just gracious hospitality. We just, we write down those things. Say, man, remember we stayed at that person's house? Remember how they had water bottles in our room and, and snacks? Man, that was really not, I'm going to do that whenever people come over. Remember how they kind of asked us, hey, what time do you want to go to bed? And, and they kind of, they backed away and kind of made sure we got, that was really nice of them. You know? Think through what practices, plan ahead for hospitality. Uh, number three, Number three, I'd encourage, or these aren't numbered. I have them numbered, but you don't have to number them. Here's another suggestion. Uh, take advantage of Sundays. Take advantage of Sundays. Uh, Alexander Strzok, in the book I mentioned, wrote down, and he says a lot of times he goes to churches, and people will be very gracious to him. They welcome him very warmly. He says, but very rarely will someone invite me to, to dinner after, after church. Uh, Clement, writing to the church in Corinth around the same time that John writes 3 John, he writes this. Listen to what Clement says about the church in Corinth. He says, Indeed, was there ever a visitor in your midst that did not approve your excellent and steadfast faith or did not proclaim the magnificent character of your hospitality? Isn't that a beautiful thing to be written about you? The magnificent character of your hospitality. Another encouragement I would have for you as you think about hospitality is learn how to have a conversation, right? Think through, okay, how am I, whenever I, if, if, especially if I'm a shy person, how am I going to converse with another person to, to make them feel warm and, and welcomed and cared for? Proverbs 18, 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it's his folly and, and shame. Our goal is not to be a, a big talker, but ask questions and get to know people and, and care for them. Spiritual questions, conversations that, that, that prepare them and help them understand the gospel. I always encourage people to Pray for people who come to your home. Hey, can I pray for you? Can I care for you? It's hard, I think, to, to talk well to other people, and, and certainly uh, certainly, it's, it's a scary thing. Another encouragement I'd have for you is to be, be politely aggressive. Be politely aggressive. Practice Lydia-like hospitality. <clears throat> be willing to, to put yourself out there. And, and certainly, um, by nature, I'm, I'm very shy person. I'm a person who, uh, may have mentioned this before, but when I was in high school, I would eat my lunch uh, before lunch in class so I could go to the library and kind of hide and, and study and stuff. I, I was very, just very introverted and, and uh, selfish in a, in a lot of ways because uh, who wouldn't want to be my friend, right? Um, but I think what we have to say is, okay, I want to be, I want to be Lydia-like in my hospitality. I want to put myself out there and say, okay, where are the people? Not not who are the people that I want to be friends with because um, of whatever reasons, but, but who are the people that I want to be friends with because they need friends. They have, they have needs. And be aggressive politely in caring for them. Another encouragement I would have to you is, is to commit to care groups. If you're part of Bethany Community Church, I believe care groups are so essential for learning and practicing hospitality. I don't know how in our church apart from either being engaged in a ministry and doing life with people or, or being involved in care groups, how you can practice the hospitality that Scripture has called us to on a consistent basis. Another encouragement I have to you, and, and uh, you know, take this one with a grain of salt, but one of my encouragements to you would be to, to not clean your home perfectly. Right? This is a, a suggestion, first of all, given to me by uh, Kevin Martin, one of our elders, who, by the way, has a very nice home very clean home. But he said, you know, Daniel, one of the things that we do is we say our home doesn't have to be perfect for us to invite people to come over. And I, that was a very freeing thing 
for me, and, and sometimes a slightly annoying thing for my wife when I say, hey, Whitney, our home doesn't have to be perfect. I have a much different definition of not perfect. So, <laughs> so if you're in that, you know, you want to honor your spouse there as well. But my, my, the point is, don't make your house being perfect some sort of idol that prevents you from inviting people to come and be a part of your life. Give up, finally, just, just one more encouragement, or two more encouragements. One is, is think through what it looks like to be a good guest. You know, think through, as you're going to practice hospitality, what does it look like to be a good guest and then be a good guest? And one last encouragement, as we get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper here together, uh, one last encouragement would be to, to give up ownership of your stuff, give up ownership of your life, give up ownership of your time. It, it's not yours, right? Your house that you're worried about, your friends, kids messing up, it's, it's not your house. Uh, your couch that you're worried about people picking on, it's not your couch. Your precious time, you're so worried, about, I don't have time to invite people, it's not yours. It's not your time. My pride, I'm kind of embarrassed to ask people to do, it's not your pride. It's not yours. Give it up. Give up ownership of your stuff, your time, your life to practice the type of hospitality that God has called you to practice. I'm going to ask the, the men uh, to come forward to pass out the Lord's Supper. And, and here as, we're, we're, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, I, I want you to, to ask the Lord to, to really reveal in your heart, Father, how do I need to practice the type of hospitality that you have called me to practice? If, if biblical hospitality is a demonstration of my love by joyfully using my home and other resources to meet other, physical, other, people, other people's physical needs, how would you have me do that? What is it that I need to lay down in order to meet their needs more effectively? And again, how are we able to practice this hospitality? It's only through the gospel, the good news of, of Jesus Christ. That we have placed our faith in him alone for our salvations. We've come into relationship with God through him. And, and hospitality is an, an outwork, an expression of love, a love that can only exist in a heart that's been transformed by the gospel. These are not things that we do in order to be found acceptable to God. They're expressions of a heart that's been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gospel, the good news of your son Jesus. We pray you would help us to be faithful in our expressions of it. We pray that you'd give us the ability to lay down our lives, to care for each other's needs. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.